So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite stay. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo, and with me is Eric Walensky. That's my best Godzilla. That's all I got. Wow. That's... That's amazing. I made a promise to protect her. He did the same. It's Godzilla. We need Kong. The world needs him. Yes, everybody, this week we are talking about the new MonsterVerse that's been created by the uh, Warner Brothers Studios. We're going to talk about Godzilla, Godzilla King of Monsters, Kong Skull Island, and the brand new, just released in theaters and on HBO Max, Godzilla vs. Kong. Eric, take me back to your, your childhood. Take me back to the, the days of yore when you were uh, just a, a wee child loving monster movies and watching old Godzilla or King Kong movies on TV. Well, I wouldn't say I'm loving old monster movies <laughs> as much as there were four networks and that's just what was on Saturdays and Sundays. So um, I, I have some just stray memories of seeing those movies as a kid. I remember, you know, watching them stomp around. I never liked them or disliked them. They were just on, and I remember there were a couple that had, uh, and I don't remember which ones it was, that had some interesting endings that I liked. I think the ones where he teamed up with Mothra were uh, were neat for me. And the oh, turtle the thing. Best. Which one was the turtle thing? Oh, man. Gamera. Gamera, yeah, yeah. And then there was Godzilla 1985. Uh, I just remember a local uh, station in Michigan was always playing this contest to win tickets. And the announcer always took this weird breath when he did the commercial. And it's such an odd thing to stick with me all these years. But it's he would say, and guys, you can win tickets to Godzilla 1985. And like, <laughs> like he, it was one, one commercial, one recording, but he... Godzilla, 1985. I don't know. That's just, that's probably my strongest memory of monster movies from that time. It's the way that announcer would say 1985. 19, deep breath, 85. You put like an H in there. 85. Maybe he was hating on Godzilla. I don't know. I, I think they could have done a better take on that commercial. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I don't even think I ever saw Godzilla in 1985. I don't know if it ever even made it to tv and then uh 
and then there was uh, of course the Matthew Broderick version and I remember when that came out I never saw it I've only seen just the oh, monster man. just to yeah I only saw it just to see what the Godzilla looked like and I'm like oh that's not Godzilla no it wasn't yeah. very good uh, we could talk about that on another day <laughs> yeah can't believe you've never watched it we're gonna have to watch it so we could talk about it at some point yeah yeah we, we could get it's such that. a bad movie but it's such a good movie at the same time. Like it shouldn't be a Godzilla movie and it would be a great monster of the week kind of movie if it wasn't Godzilla. Well, it's kind of funny because that was 1999 and then that was the same year as Phantom Menace 1999. And this podcast is named this podcast ruined my childhood because that was coined in 1999 when the Star Wars prequel came out. And it's kind of funny because I didn't think necessarily oh, this is ruining my childhood. But I did think when Godzilla came out, like, really? There are no original ideas. We're rebooting Godzilla. And apparently not in a good way because nobody likes it. So so <laughs> it's kind of funny that this podcast sort of has a little bit of a, a root for me in, in Godzilla and mm-hmm. thinking, like, really? Come on now. That Godzilla movie was actually 1998. It's interesting. So for me, kind of the same. I grew up watching monster movies, but I loved them. So my dad would put them on and we same thing. There were like four or five channels at the time and a a Godzilla monster movie would be on. And I loved Mothra. Anytime Mothra was on screen, I loved it. The two little twins that Mothra protected. Um, Just something about Godzilla and Mothra working together to defeat the evil kaiju really made me made me happy and excited as a kid. Um, but I will say, since we're going to get to Kong in a little bit, King Kong was my favorite big monster kaiju type thing. I loved the original King Kong movies that were in black and white. And I loved the, the remakes that the American version remakes that were made, um, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, and I, I loved it. Growing up in New York, too, having that connection with New York, I, as I've mentioned before on these podcasts, any movie that took place in New York, I felt even more um, love towards. It uh, definitely stuck with me. With Kong, there's always a damsel in distress. Fay Ray, and then Jessica Lang, and then uh, whatever her name is in the newest one. <laughs> Uh, the nineteen or two thousand five one had Naomi Watts, which I don't even think about the two thousand five one. It's to me not a great movie. And people that love that can come at me. I don't. Uh, I don't think I it's all that good. Yeah. Well, I won't come at you for the Jack Black one, but I'll definitely say it was it was entertaining. Though the middle got way too muddled in dinosaurs is where I think that movie went wrong. I, I wasn't there to see a dinosaur movie. I've seen Jurassic Park. I'm here to see King Kong. And right. like, there's the whole, and oh my gosh, if you remember this, the CGI is actually pretty shabby in the middle of that movie, which is another reason I rolled my eyes at it. It's like, if you're going to put dinosaurs up, like Trump Jurassic Park, don't come right. in under Jurassic Park. We've already right. seen better than this. And there's A decade a- before, too. Yeah, and there's a scene where, like, the dinosaurs go rolling, and it, like, the CGI goes over the top of a person, and that person doesn't move because the dinosaur 
wasn't real. It was put in after the fact. And then it half disappeared in one of the chase scenes. Like, all of a sudden, like, it just faded out. And there was no more dinosaur. And I was... And, and we were watching this on the big, big jumbo screen. And so it stood out so prominently. And I remember, like, pointing right at the screen immediately going, Where'd that dinosaur go? This is terrible CGI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then they made a universal ride on it where the dinosaurs disappear around you, too. <laughs> Just to take a quick tangent on things that disappear in special effects, in Return of the Jedi, there is a small division of TIE fighters that actually will disappear at the last second when the Emperor is arriving um, and all the fleet is like doing its big pass by the Death Star, you know, the big show of strength for the Emperor. There are three or four TIE fighters that go swooping through, and right before the scene cuts, they just disappear. Huh. How funny. It's neat. I don't know. Thinking about King Kong and the the 1970s into the 1980s with King Kong, um, I always, always, always will remember Linda Hamilton in Kong Lives when they give Kong after falling from the uh, from the Twin Towers, he's dying, but they give him an artificial heart. And I will never forget how ridiculously stupid that movie is, but how much I loved it as like a six-year-old kid. I never saw it. Ah, <laughs> uh, Linda Hamilton, man, she's she's who takes uh, Jessica. She takes Jessica Lange's place. Different character. None of the characters follow through from what I remember. Like Charles Grodin and Jeff Bridges were in the first King Kong in 1976. And this is Linda Hamilton. And I don't think anybody else of like main star power. Well, it's surprising you can do so much with Kong, which we'll get into this when we start talking about plot. But it's like, because it's really hard to do anything really be without it just being a smash em up movie because you can't communicate with kong on any real sense besides a little bit of sign language and you know whatever he feels for the the blonde chick he happens to have a crush on they have their little <laughs> you know silent twin communication or whatever but but otherwise it's like you're either trying to capture him to imprison him and put him on display or you're trying to fight him and kill him and that's that's really where it ends with a monster right right it's it's always it i don't know i don't know exactly how to say this but they always tried to make kong more human in these movies and as time went on they did better and better and better at it and that's why they would always give him the damsel in distress that he would get connected to to want to save and he it, he was always like this misunderstood monster where godzilla movies Godzilla was a good guy in the Toho originals, you know, and he he was helping to protect the people, but nobody was connected to Godzilla. Kong, they tried to humanize him and make people connect to him. And as a kid, somehow I did connect to him. And so when King Kong Lives came out in the mid 80s and they were saving him with an artificial heart, I was rooting for that heart to work so that King Kong would get up and be able to go on and live his life. Mm hmm. And that's something that I think was also missing a little bit in Peter Jackson's King Kong. Um, 
they tried, but I just don't feel like they they got there. But with these uh, movies, with with Skull Island, uh, go ahead, go ahead. You can. I, was re- say, I, I think, I think they got there. I think they got there. They because it, it was pretty much directly off the original, really, mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, the original slash seventy six. It it. I, I think it got there. I think it did because I mean, again, you can't do that much with him. You know, I mean, if you right. didn't feel sad for him on that stage, all chained up, then then you just weren't going to get it. You know, I guess right. you're the type who needs an artificial heart to be brought into it before you care about somebody. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's what I need. <laughs> um, that's why I love Tony Stark, too. Right. Uh, but let's let's talk about these new monster movies that have come out in the past several years. Um, We've had about 10 years of Godzilla and Kong now back in the public eye. And the Godzilla, the first reintroduction to Godzilla was, what year was this? 2014. 2014. Yeah. So not Seven even years. 10 years. Yeah, not yeah. quite. Not quite yet. So we've we've had a movie that I thought from the trailers was going to blow my socks off. I thought this is exactly what I was looking for after 98, 99, Matthew Broderick, Godzilla was, you know, a, a mess. Um, and nobody's tried to tackle Godzilla except for Japanese production companies since that time. So this is this is it. We're going to get the exact Godzilla we need. And what do we get is a character driven movie with seven minutes of Godzilla in it. And for some reason, there's mutos, which are not... I don't know why they chose a different type of monster that we've never met before. I guess they were trying to do something different, which is fine, but Godzilla has a steep legend of kaiju they could have pulled from. And they chose these two mutos, and not only do we see more of the mutos than we see of Godzilla, but we get a weird muto sex scene that we didn't need. And it was just... Very odd, odd choices. In Again, this film. you could say we didn't need it. People who liked it would say we did need it. Some people will say you needed an artificial heart. I mean, yeah. you know, to each his own on that. That's right. I guess you're right. You know, seeing mutos spray their semen all over the place is exactly what I'm looking for in my Godzilla movie. <laughs> it's, you haven't seen it before. You got to <laughs> admit that. That's true. I've never seen it before. <laughs> Um, so I, needless to say in 2014, Godzilla was one of my top, like three most anticipated movies of the year. And it wound up being in my bottom five enjoyed movies of 2014. So I I really, really, really didn't like it. I mean, I, I liked it. I liked Brian Cranston, Ken Watanabe, and, uh, I can't remember who, who was the younger kid. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, he was really good. He played his son, and then Elizabeth Olsen played his wife. And that's an interesting thing that people talked about, because just recently, they played siblings in Avengers Age of Ultron, and then they were husband and wife in this movie. Interesting. Yeah. And they didn't really give Elizabeth Olsen anything to do other than run around and be scared. She didn't have any character development. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, for some reason, was just following around the rest of the army the whole movie. Brian Cranston was great in the scenes he was in, but he died halfway through. 
Yeah. And well, I like that. It's that, like, was a, that was a bold choice to take a the main character like that or a main sure. character. Sure. Sure. Bold choices are great when when they're warranted. But nobody else in that movie was a character that anyone cared about. So when Brian Cranston died, I was like, so now I have to follow cardboard Aaron Taylor Johnson around. Well, but I, I think so. Though, I obviously have problems goes, with that movie. It goes back to what I said, like even with King Kong, it's like, what, what do you do with these things? If they're just smashing around, then it's just smashing for smashing sake. Cause it's not like you can reason with them or talk to them or have any real dialogue with them. They're just a big menace. And sure. if they're on your side, then that's great. And then if they're against you, you just got to kill it. So, you know, any sort of meaningful dialogue between what is sort of your, you know, ultimate protagonist or your nemesis or your who knows what it is, it's, it's just hard yeah. to do. So I think that's why that movie went with let's build some humans and like get some real human element to this and then bring Godzilla in because otherwise if we bring him in too soon then he's just smashing his way through Tokyo or or wherever he happens to go you know yeah I completely understand it the problem I think that I have that follows through is that none of those characters came back except Ken Watanabe so we were made to care about these characters but then we were in the next movie made to understand that none of them really mattered and when you talk about smashy, smashy monster movies plus characters that we care about, Godzilla King of Monsters and Kong Skull Island did great jobs of giving us the monsters we asked for and the human character development we needed. I love Kong Skull Island. I think it's the best of this quadrology that they've made. In in, in my opinion, you know, it's it's the best. And we got plenty of Kong. We got these other random monsters on skull island we got really good opposing views of the human element of the army versus the um the the average person coming on the island um and i I think that kong skull island was the most fleshed out when it came to the character driven piece from humans and the character driven piece from kong i will and it had everything we were missing yeah it had everything godzilla was missing Yes, I will. But but see, because what worked was you immediately chose what side Kong was on from at least one human point of view, which was he is the enemy. We need to kill him. Right. You also have a confined island, so you don't have to worry about the human casualties that are going to be incurred in such a pursuit. So it worked because of its circumstance really and its choice to make Kong the Kong the villain from a certain point of view immediately whereas Godzilla nobody even knew what the thing was you're kind of doing an origin story so you you couldn't make that choice you you didn't even know what Godzilla was to say yeah we have to kill this thing right away well what is it what what is this thing that's why i think they delayed bringing it in bringing him in but and that's not to say it was a perfect yeah. movie. It's just, it was good. So that's why I think Skull Island succeeds because it made choices. It made hard right. choices right away. And then you did amongst the humans have debate. And then, you know, even Kong sort of flip-flopped like, Hey, I'm just right. King Kong. Oh, you're trying to kill me? Well, I'm going to kill you. 
And then, oh, wait a minute. Some of you are nice. All right. I'll be okay. You know? Yep. So you could yep. at least do that. Yeah. And I, I really love that they did that. I think that yeah. everybody that acted in that movie, too, did a, an amazing job from the bit characters that were guys that were going to die pretty quickly. Like Toby Kebbell, who I think did the Kong um, mocap. Maybe I'm wrong. But Toby Kebbell is an actor who was um, in all of the Planet of the Apes, the newer Planet of the Apes movies, as one of the antagonist apes. He was the quote-unquote bad guy in the first Planet of the Apes and then wound up being you know, a good-slash-bad guy throughout the other two, mm. uh, as far as apes are concerned. And I think he did the mocap for Kong because of the work he did on Planet of the Apes, but he also is one of the soldiers that dies. And he did a great job in both parts. Brie Larson, you know, a lot of people have a lot of negative things to say about Brie Larson, but I think she was amazing in the film. Um, Tom Hiddleston, so two two, uh, Avengers were in this film, and Tom Hiddleston was great. And then even John C. Riley playing like this weird guy that had been on the island for 20 years. He he did a great job with playing the crazy guy that is still steeped in a little bit of reality. Yeah, without going over the top. Yeah, it was a good yeah. movie. Yeah. But so I'm all in for got, Kong. And yeah. <laughs> King of Monsters. Then we got King of Monsters followed by Godzilla versus Kong, which, again, just falls into the problem. What do you do with these things? They're stomping around. You can't communicate with them. So what are you going to do? And like you come up with an outrageously ridiculous plot that some echo terrorists want to wake up these giant titans and have yeah. them reset the earth oh cuz you know that that makes sense <laughs> yeah the plot for godzilla king of monsters is all over the place um mm-hmm. but again they did have certain human characters that you could root for and you didn't spend too much time with that you got sick of them in a monster smashy smashy movie. But you had plenty of time with the monsters, so you got the best of both worlds. But I agree that Vera Farmiga's plan was just a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it just didn't it just really didn't seem organic. Even. No, and it didn't. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, it was honestly. a plot. Resetting it was just the a earth. Plot de- yeah, it was just a plot device to get these monsters going. Like you couldn't think of something a little more rational. Like use some real pseudoscience here. <laughs> it, right. I just didn't buy it from the get go. And and then yeah, some of that fighting was pretty cool. There were definitely some incredible images. I loved when the monster zero was on top of the mountain or volcano and spread its wings and all that oh that was awesome and seeing mothra come out uh from the ice cave and everything that was really really cool too so there i will give king of monsters that there were some incredible visuals that that really made you feel like you're watching a classic godzilla movie whereas kong versus godzilla to me was like a really faint shadow of, you know, what we had just seen in, in King of Monsters. 
it's like each one of these movies is subsequently worse than the previous one. And I know that can kind of be a thing with sequels, but this is this is just rehash city. Yeah, completely. Um I I agree the visuals were amazing. I thought that some of the fights were so cool. And they were pretty organic once we got through the fact that these eco-terrorists were waking up the Titans. Once the Titans were awake, the back and forth was was great. Like Godzilla was coming to fight Gahira uh, or Gadira, and we had Mothra coming out and fighting the other winged fire creature. Um, they were they were really cool. The whole point, though, that they're trying to bring through in Godzilla: King of Monsters is that there's one Titan to rule them all, and there was the difference between Gadira who turns out is an alien from space and Godzilla and whoever was going to be the Titan that won is the one that all of the other monsters would bow to. And so Godzilla wins out the monsters bow to him, which then sets up the next movie for Godzilla versus Kong. Now that movie just came out a little over a week ago. We both have had a chance to sit down and watch it. And so, Eric, give me your thoughts of Godzilla versus Kong. Spoiler free or, or spoiler full. Let's just dive in. Well, it it starts off right away. Like you just said, everybody's bowing to Godzilla. But then the movie starts off with a Kumite NCAA March Madness style tournament bracket <laughs> of Godzilla. Yeah. Like destroyed, destroyed, like wiping all these monsters out now. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought we were all one big happy family, but that's the problem. Earth can't have 17 giant monsters that all follow one other monster around. That just makes no sense. What are these things doing? They're going to just tear up whatever they're going to tear up. Even if they're not doing anything, quote unquote, malicious, they're still giant animals. So you can't have them all around. Now they're basically where they were kind of a plot convenience in, in versus monsters or king of monsters. Now they're a plot hindrance. And so you got to kill them off systematically. And then it's like, well, why is Godzilla doing that? And he's doing that because somebody is making some device that he doesn't like. Like none of if 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 I didn't like the plot of King of Monsters, I hated the plot of <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong. It was yeah. so dumb. And then again, because you can't communicate with these things, the humans have to make these leaps of logic that hopefully fit into the plot. And if they don't fit into the plot, they get forced into the plot where it's like, well, we got to save Kong then because he's going to want to kill Kong. But then Kong can lead us to an energy source. Oh, my gosh. I know I'm jumping yeah. all over the place, but that's no. the movie. That's, that's the, movie. the movie. It is jumping all over the place. Yeah. Um, so let's just go back to your bracket here. The only thing I'll say to the bracketology <laughs> intro is that he didn't. we didn't see Godzilla kill or destroy all of the other monsters. We only saw him destroy the ones that we actually saw him destroy in the films. So that leads me to believe that all the other ones that bowed to him are still out there and just sleeping. Um, so that's that's what I think happened in that scenario. Although, to go back to King of Monsters for a second, they're all over the world. And somehow, like the one in New Mexico or in Las Vegas and the one in 
Washington, D.C. and the one that's overseas in like Hong Kong all get to Boston at the end of the movie at the same time to bow to him doesn't make any sense. But no, it doesn't. that's neither here nor there. OK, well, maybe I they didn't... traveled through the world, through the, uh, the hollow, uh, earth. hollow earth to get there. Who knows? Well, I, I guess I didn't understand which mo- I thought he was wiping out like all of them. No, it's but just the ones that were threat. It was all re- So that was just recapping the past. Yes. Just recapping the past. Except and the same though, thing with the Kong side of the bracket. They were recapping the ones that he fought. What? Just that. That's funny. Because, yes, that's how the thing ends. It's like, you know, here we are in Louisville, Kentucky for the final matchup. Godzilla versus Kong. We can look back at the bracket to see how they got here. Let's see the path to the, the final dance here. Yeah, Kong beat the huge Skull Walker and Godzilla beat, beat uh, Gadira. And so let's see how they do up against each other. Yeah. Ugh. Um, I, I had a hard time with this movie and I, I wanted to love it so bad because it knows what it is. It's a movie that knows it is there for big monsters fighting each other and they don't care about the little bit of human plot that they give us that just get us from point A to point B to point C. They're just throwing that stuff in there so the monsters get to the points they need to get to to make the plot continue moving forward. So the part of me that, the kid in me that loved these monster movies, loved the scenes where Kong and Godzilla were fighting. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the boat sequence was awesome. When Godzilla came up and was fighting Kong, but then they all played dead and for some reason Godzilla looked at them and was like all right that's fine I'll go away yeah when did when did Godzilla all of a sudden inherit the traits of a grizzly bear <laughs> I guess that's just something they know about him I don't know but um but then later on Godzilla and Kong fighting in Hong Kong in the rave was, yes was awesome <laughs> it was so cool looking um because it was just there to be destroyed, right? The whole city was there to be destroyed between these two and then Mecha Godzilla at the end. Everything else that tied it all together made no sense whatsoever. The whole uh, Hollow Earth thing, the characters that they introduced in this movie all had no character development whatsoever. Well, They had nothing to do in the film, like this guy who has a podcast about this company and all of the bad things this company does has been working for the company for four years and nobody knows. And their security yeah. is so bad that he can just get into any section of this facility he needs to. And then he and the two kids can get into this, this bullet train through hollow earth to Hong Kong very and? easily without anybody seeing anything. And he's got an amateur rap career going in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Or no, wait, sorry, that's a different show. But it's a different might show, as well yeah, throw yeah. that in there because might have. none of the rest yeah. of it made sense. Yeah. The the whole Hollow Earth sequence, I they were doing everything they could in this movie to and they did it with the last movie too, to try to make sense of some weird outlandish claim about Hollow Earth and make that where Titans come from. And that's cool. Like, I'll be on board with that if your hollow earth makes a little bit of sense in the film. In King of Monsters, they go into, like, the entry of hollow earth. And 
it is so full of radiation that they can't survive. In this film, they go into a different entrance to Hollow Earth up in Antarctica or, or the Arctic Circle or something. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, there's no no radiation whatsoever. They just have these super cool futuristic HEAVs or heaves that fly them in and can defy gravity. And then once they're in there, somehow there's light. It looks like a beautiful sunrise in Hollow Earth, even though it's inside the center of the Earth. Yeah. I I just don't understand. None of it made sense. Like, they needed King Kong because they needed to follow him, but literally he did not lead them anywhere they couldn't have just gone on their own. Right. They just went. Right. Like, he didn't lead them. There was only one way to go. Yeah. And they went. They they, didn't. You're right. They didn't need Kong at all to get there. Oh, it was neat, though, when you find out that Kong knows sign language because immediately I'm thinking rampage. I'm like, where's the rock? <laughs> it's okay. You're scared. It's okay. You're scared. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, Dwayne Johnson here talking to these guys. And I liked when King Kong picks up that big uh, axe staff thing that he had that had the dorsal fin of one of the old Godzillas. And he sits down on that big throne. And all I heard in my head was I looked at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of hollow earth. (laughs) Nice. I, I cracked up laughing. I turned to Liz as soon as, as soon as that happened. And I said that she thought that was pretty funny too, but I just, (laughs) I looked at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of hollow earth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man it just doesn't make any sense godzilla feels that actually kong puts the axe god no it should be i looked at my kingdom the place of my birth to sit on my throne as the prince of hollow earth <laughs> godzilla feels that they use the dorsal fin to create some kind of weird energy and he then uses his atomic breath to somehow put a hole all the way into Hollow Earth, like right into the center. And then King Kong can just climb out <laughs> and go fight him. And then the people that had trouble getting into Hollow Earth because of the weird, um, the weird gravitational reversal can then just fly out of this new hole that was created. Yeah, they, none of it made sense. No, but smashy, smashy monsters when they they fought. It was so cool. I'll give it that. I, I will agree. There, it was some neat monster fighting, but but it just it just didn't make any sense. But that's the problem with these movies. And that's that's why they need to stop. And they should have just stopped with Skull Island. Um, They just there's you can't do anything with these characters unless you make a long human drawn out one like the 2014 you know it's it's, they're just too hard to work with skull island did it pulled it off perfectly but again because it it used a very isolated location on an island and and you were able to make kong the bad guy even though we knew he wasn't the bad guy and it was it was a simple mission and it had a one direction plot go kill king kong and 
and then you were able to go from there. But these other movies where you've got to create eco-terrorists who want to release monsters, you got to create a whole hollow earth thing to go down there to get King Kong to charge up his dorsal fin axe. And just all of it is, it's way too convoluted. So (laughs) the other thing that I I remember, right. They, they use the skull, which I thought was cool. They had the skull of Gadira that they bought in the end credits of King of Monsters, right? They went and they got that extra skull right. in the post-credit scene. Right. And so they're using that skull to do a, a weird like uplink to this Mecha Godzilla. And I think that's an interesting take on it because all of the heads were able to communicate with each other. So if you create that link um, through the interwebs, it kind of makes sense. But what I didn't understand is that the guy sent his daughter into Hollow Earth to get the energy, but they could then just upload Upload the energy. Yeah, (laughs) that made no sense. So funny. And as soon as they upload it, then uh, the, the skull can become sentient and Mechagodzilla becomes Mechagodzilla, who then knows how to use all of his missiles. He knows how to use his weird whirring arm. Uh, He can do anything because he's now connected to the internet. I guess. I don't don't know. And has this amazing um, newfound power. I I mean, at the end of the day, it just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. We, We had two characters hold over from the last movie. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown mm-hmm. and Kyle Chandler. But we spent so little time with them that we didn't care what they were doing. Um, and then the, the Hollow Earth guy, if they had just made him the brother of the, the guy who knew about Hollow Earth in King of Monsters, I would have cared a little bit more about his character. You know, they could have just used a throwaway line that he was the brother of the doctor from King of Monsters. And that guy passed away because he was trying to get to Hollow Earth. Like, it all could have been the same thing. Like, the gravitational pull at that one entrance really messed him up and he died. It all could have been the same. But if you made the character from Godzilla vs. Kong connected to that character, I would have cared about who he was. But even at this point, I don't remember his name. I barely remember what he looks like in Godzilla vs. Kong. And all I know is that he was afraid of King Kong on the boat. That's all I really remember. <laughs> and he knew how to make the Hev into a defibrillator. Yeah. I... They should have just given Kong an artificial heart. I would have liked the movie more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I just... I said my piece. I won't repeat it. Yeah, they're just it's, too, it's hard. They're just too hard to, to use. It's hard to do these movies, like you said. I mean, I completely agree with you, but I I think they were so successful early on in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, because technology was a little bit different, right? And and movies with huge puppets or guys in suits was something that people wanted to see. And it was fun, right? It was fun to go to the movies and see that. Right now, sitting at home watching this on HBO Max, 
it's different than sitting in a movie theater watching this. I probably would have liked it more on a big screen, but I still would have had the same problems with the story. For a monster movie where things are getting smashed up and two huge monsters are fighting each other that I love from my childhood, there are pieces of this movie that I think are awesome and a lot of fun. But I can't ever see myself sitting through the whole movie again. I can see myself fast-forwarding to the monster fights. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to yeah. like really go back and watch the old ones, and I'm sure they're not really great. No, no, they're all terrible. And they, yeah, <laughs> and they just get to, they get to the fighting. But again, you, you're you're citing time period when we didn't have all this modern cinema around us already. You know, it's like, is is this what movies are going to be for like ever now? Is somebody like looking for something ten to fifteen years ago to take a new fresh stab at? And hey, you might hit with it. Or you might end up with 1999's Godzilla, right? You might yeah. hit a Skull Island. You might hit a 1999 Godzilla. Who who knows? You know, you might have a 2005, you know, uh, Jack Black. Kong. Kong. Mm-hmm. Or you end up with Kong versus Godzilla. And it's, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to really do with these monsters because you... I mean, what enemy is there that you could say, well, now we need to somehow communicate with him to help him help us destroy this thing? Because you got to have a enemy equal in size and strength. And yeah, right. it's just. Well, I think it's run its course. I don't know that they're going to make any more of these. But you know, like at, as the movie ended, we of course, well, well, we should take a step back and say this is a versus movie. And anytime there's a versus in the title, the two things that are fighting each other in the titles wind up working together at the end, right? That's just how these movies work. So we had Kong fight his big bad on Skull Island. We had Godzilla fight his big bad, which is Gadira, who, you know, was an alien. And now we had them both fight each other and then team up to fight Mecha Godzilla. There really is nowhere else to go. Godzilla's on the surface protecting Earth. Kong is in Hollow Earth, I guess, as the prince of Hollow Earth. <laughs> and that's kind of where I think we leave these two characters. And I don't know that there's a reason to ever bring them back out again unless they're, you know, 15 years from now rebooting it all again. Well, and I don't want to give anybody any ideas, but I mean... <laughs> Monster Zero came from space. We could get another space monster. Yeah, but we did that. You know, I I don't know. I don't know what else it could be unless maybe Godzilla and King Kong unite and have a baby. And then Kingzilla has to fight other little babies of other monsters. I don't don't know. Maybe we need that turtle guy, Gamara. I don't know. Whatever I said his name was. (laughs) Yeah, Gamera. Um, in, in the little bit of research and preparation I did for this podcast, uh, I came across something interesting. Did you know the Avengers actually fought Godzilla in the seventies? I don't think I did know that. Yeah, there, there were 24 comics. Um, it was a run from 77 to 79, um, where Godzilla, pretty much rampaged across the United States and fought uh, different Avengers 
Um, I saw one one cover had Thor on it, um, and then it listed a bunch of like B lister Avengers um, that like I I you know were probably like seventies style who pretty much fall into time and may one day pop up again and you know be cool but they're not anybody who's really been in the uh in the movies or anything anyway just thought that was interesting Hmm. that is interesting who knew i'm gonna have to go look those up additionally you know godzilla was a uh an allegory for nuclear weapons uh as japan was reeling from you know the Atomic bombs in World War II, uh, they they made the Godzilla movie as sort of a, again, an allegory for the use of nuclear weapons and, and the, the, quote, monster that could be unleashed if such power were used. And uh, ultimately, the version of the original Godzilla that made it to the United States, that whole nuclear war storyline and element was pretty much removed and it was more just a cheesy monster fight movie which is how america reacted to it whereas japan was more like wow this is actually kind of poignant you know right the representation of godzilla as nuclear weapons and then in america without that storyline it's like oh look at this hilarious movie from japan yeah that's interesting origins Mm-hmm. We changed a lot to make it so that we as Americans didn't feel bad about dropping a bomb on them. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about in the uh, Justice League uh, podcast about uh, all the training that actors need to go through to uh, to look good on, on film. Kong went through a very uh, strict workout regimen and diet because he was <laughs> largely appearing shirtless throughout the entire film and so his his six pack just really needed to be emphasized and uh yeah yeah there he, he got did a the good same, job he got the same trainer that henry cavill had and it was like look he's gonna work out in the morning in the afternoon in the evening he's gotta get three <laughs> workouts and he's gonna eat what i have and and if he's gonna be shirtless you know i gotta get him down to like three percent body fat because uh and I think I think he held it well. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't seem. He didn't seem fatigued. His performance was uh, was spot on. He seemed. Uh, right. He seemed In- seemed healthy and energetic. Yeah, until the end when he got the crap beat out of him. But yeah. Well, I think that was CGI. Oh, you think so? Oh, my bad. Yeah. I thought these monsters were really up there fighting. <laughs> um. He he, you know, a lot of a lot of crunches to keep that six pack the way it did, you know, the way it was through the whole movie. I know, and being as big as he is, you know, it's uh, it's really hard to find <laughs> monkey bars big enough to hang off of to do <laughs> knee knee raises and sure all that kind of stuff. Oh my goodness! Know. So, Eric, <laughs> did the new MonsterVerse that the Warner Brothers has put together ruin your childhood? No, uh, it, it definitely didn't ruin it. Like I said, my, my memories are kind of scattered about it. And, uh, and, uh, and again, Skull Island was really, really good. I, I loved everybody in it. And I, I just thought it was so cool. I just actually, my lament is that having it being set in the 70s, which totally worked, 
it meant though that any modern sequel um any of those characters would be you know 20 30 years old and so it'd be tough to like use them again so part of me was kind of sad like oh well i mean of course some of them died of course but just uh well yeah but like it would have been great to have brie larson and tom hiddleston back again and like they they're the wranglers of of kong on skull island but obviously they're they're 20 or 30 years older now yeah uh, we have new characters we have to meet and we have to get to know them and we don't get enough time with them to care about them because they want to get to Godzilla and Kong fighting. Like the whole setup of Skull Island talking about the storm that came in and how the storm that was outside the island and Skull Island is now over the island. We got one line about that that seemed throwaway to show why he was in a weird habitat. Mm -hmm. And then we got another line about it about an hour into the movie that gave a little more uh, depth to what actually had happened. But it was still two lines in the entire film letting us know why Skull Island needed this dome over it so Kong could survive. Well, and next thing you know, he's just on a boat. Well, yeah, they, they say, I don't know. The guy actually says, or the woman says, I don't know if we can convince him to go. And then the next scene, the next shot is him chained up on the boat. Like, right. Was that supposed to be funny? Like, I don't know if we can convince him. Ha ha ha. We just knocked him out. But it's still yeah. the logistics of that. I mean, of course, I don't need to be bored with, you know, four hours of giant cranes and helicopters dragging Kong across an (laughs) island. But just to just skip it seemed like, you know, did they did the film cut there? Did we jump? What happened? My guess and here's just a guess, because we know about Warner Brothers meddling with films. My guess is that there is some ultimate cut of Godzilla versus Kong out there that will actually make it a really good movie. But huh. we just will never see it. Yeah, doubtful. But I, I mean, I say that and you laugh, but I bet I bet that's out there. I bet Alex- there's a three and a half hour long cut that would make the movie amazing. Alexander Skarsgård was wasted. Wasted. He was Absolutely tar- wasted, you're right. He was Tarzan for Pete's sake. <laughs> yep, he was wasted. Anyway, no, it didn't ruin my childhood. And it was actually kind of fun um, watching... King of Monsters, I thought, was more fun for me. Even, I mean, I guess I have equal amount of problems with that and Godzilla versus Kong, but um, but there was just something more fun and artistic about mm-hmm. King of Monsters that largely, except for the Tokyo battle, that was that was pretty cool. Like I said, the fight in the rave there with all the neon and everything that that was super cool. That was some in Godzilla art. versus Kong. Yeah, that was some art yeah. at the end, but still not nearly as picturesque as the uh, as the King of Monsters. Sure. Do you know? And and this is a fun little piece of trivia. But the director Adam Wingard took a sequence from the old Back to the Future ride at Universal where you're in the DeLorean and you fly up and over and around a Mm T-Rex. And he took that sequence from that ride and made the Hev do that to Kong when it comes out of the hole. And that was his inspiration for the Hev flying up, over, and around Kong. And it's funny because when I was watching the movie... I noticed that 
and I thought to myself, that looks like that scene from Back to the Future, The Ride. And lo and behold, yesterday or two days ago, I found an article where Adam Wingard is actually talking about how that portion of The Ride influenced that one sequence in the film. I I noticed it, uh, but I didn't link it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So for me, these movies definitely don't ruin my childhood, but we talk a lot about how things enhance our childhoods. The The quadrology of this monster verse hasn't enhanced my childhood at all. Kong Skull Island is a really good movie. I will put that on and watch it just for fun, just to watch, because I like, as we've already said, pretty much every aspect of the film. Do I think Sam Jackson plays that his character a little overboard? Yeah, but... That's part of the fun of that type of a movie anyway. If I were to watch a movie of these four just to enjoy monster battles, it would be King of Monsters because there are more monster battles with more different types of monsters. And that movie, kind of like you said, it's a fun watch. I will never see myself watching 2014's Godzilla again. I've watched it one and a half times, and I don't think I'll ever finish that half. But Godzilla vs. Kong, it just sits in a really weird place for me because I've wanted for years to see these two titans battle each other. And yeah, they fought each other in an old movie in like the 70s that was no good. But with today's technology, I wanted to see these two titans, you know, go blow to blow. And we got that. And we got it good. But we didn't get it in a good movie. And that's frustrating. So it's not ruining my childhood, but it's not enhancing my childhood. And I'm just going to kind of take it or leave it. You know, I, I, I'll i check out those action scenes again when I want to watch something cool on my surround sound. That's probably about it. So it's kind of where I sit. Fair enough. Yeah. If I were to give Godzilla vs. Kong a letter grade, I would probably give it a C, like just a flat C, because there's some A-plus action and some D-minus level human storyline c minus for me just to be fair yeah all right so eric can people find you anywhere nowadays or are we still uh off the grid no people can find me on skull island talking to the apache helicopter pilots asking them uh how hard it was to get kong on the boat yeah perfect perfect that's cool uh and for me, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. You can follow the podcast at Podcast Ruined on Twitter and Instagram. We hope that this look back at the WB Monsterverse of Godzilla and Kong did not ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. It's a good group of boys. We're all going to die together out here. You're a good group of boys to die with, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you shouldn't have come here. <laughs> oh, this is funny you said that, because I, I think I mentioned it the last time you, you mentioned being in New York and 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 under and liking movies, because you're like, hey, I've been there. And ever since Liz and I went to New York, when we see a movie based in New York, we're like, I understand that so much more now. Like, I've been to the top of the Empire State Building. It's like, that makes so much more sense now. It's a joke. I still understood the movies without ever having been in New York. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, you, nobody understands movies until they go to the places they're made. <laughs> That's why I'll never understand Star Wars. I just won't get it.